There has never been a more obvious sound. There's a huge edge to be gained by looking into things like this. With the hype, it's only going one way. He's still too cheap. How can you not love fantasy football? Hello and welcome back into the Fantasy Sanctuary. It is another fantastic show. I've got another incredible guest lined up for you today. I'm joined by the the host of Dynasty Theory. He's also a contributor to DLF. It is, of course, the fantastic John Bauer, or as you may know him, at the Bauer Club on Twitter. John, how are you doing? Hey, what's up, Rich? I'm doing well. I'm excited to jump on here early my time, uh, around 7 a.m., uh, but what better way to wake up than uh, talk fantasy football? Yeah, absolutely. I, I I truly appreciate you uh, you taking the time, especially as you said, seven a.m. I think, yeah, I, I presume you've probably got a, a nice big cup of coffee because I'm, uh, I'm not sure I'd be. Uh, we're locked uh, yeah. and loaded. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd be fully functioning at seven a.m. to uh, to have a good chat. But today we're we're going to be continuing our our strategy deep dive. Um, we're we're going to focus where it all begins. The most important part, some would say, of Dynasty. We're going to dive into the startup. Um, and, and talk with John about kind of his thoughts, how he preps and, and how he tries to attack a startup. So we'll start at the very beginning, um, John. I always heard it was a very good place to start. So before you get into a startup, is there anything you're doing in terms of preparation? What steps are you taking to, to get ready for that, that, that all-important startup draft? Yeah, there's not, there's not too much that I'm, I'm actively looking to do before taking part in the startup. I mean, there's so much preparation in terms of uh, have, having our tiers together, having our our tier breaks, which is very important when it comes to startups, having that laid out as a foundation. And then once you go from there, so for me personally, it's so critical. You got to know your league settings. And it. I always say it sounds so simple, but there's so many people, You'll you'll be in a startup, and you'll be a few rounds in. Wait, it's two PPR for tight ends. Wait, how many <laughs> how many wide receivers do I have to start here? So knowing that, because that then goes into roster construction, and which is going to be something that we'll talk about later on in the episode. But uh, and then another thing, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the site, but dynasty-daddy.com. It. It's a really interesting resource. It's completely free. I utilize it every day. And what you can do on there, let's say, you know, my username on sleepers at the Bauer Club. You can go in there and look up at the Bauer Club and it shows my sleeper portfolio. So obviously, you know, if you're like me, there's different strategies you'll take part in uh, whenever you join a startup. Again, depending on the roster requirements, it's going to vary. But you can see, hey, I know Rich is uh, kind of a tight end hoarder. He's going after all the tight ends. Uh, he he fades quarterback for the most part. You can see across his portfolio. So I I might from time to time throw some of the usernames in there and see what I'm working with, and, and do do a little that. do a little research. Now here's the thing: if if somebody's primarily on MFL, it, you have to use a password and everything, but sleeper, and I'm probably going to butcher this uh, because I don't know anything on the technical side, but I guess it has like an open API or so, whatever it's called uh, that allows people to do that. So that's one thing that I'm, uh, I'm actively looking to do, knowing the league settings and uh, ultimately a lot of it's going to come down to where I draft, you know, I know a lot of people, they they like the auction drafts, but if you're taking part in a, a snake draft, which most of the drafts I take part in are, that's going to be a, a big component here of my strategy as we go forward. So not much goes into it really, but uh, I'm utilizing my tiers constantly throughout. I make a copy. I, I'm deleting names as they go through. I see where my tier breaks are. So that's all just a few things that I'm doing to prepare for the startup draft. Yeah, I love that. I, I love you talking about um, going and researching the people you're playing because I've I've caught some flack, shall we say, from from some of our members because what I do before every dynasty startup, before every draft, actually, is exactly that. I'll go and look. I use a site called Dynasty Planet, which is exactly yep. the same. Yep. You plug plug in the sleeper username, you, you find out who they're drafting, you can find out 
you know, if if particularly high on certain players. But also, it's very simple. I'll go and look at their Twitter. Like it's it, it's a really simple thing. But people yep. are on exactly backwards and coming forwards in tweeting out their loves of certain players and certain people that they must, you know, must must not leave a draft without and things like that. If you're knowing all of that, and I'll I'll literally same as you, I will put my my ranks, my values into a Google Doc. And then in that Google Doc, I'll just make some simple notes of this person really likes these players or this person normally fades quarterbacks or whatever. And and then I've got that to refer to throughout the draft because, you know, I don't know if you're the same, John, but for me, most of my startups are slow drafts. Yep. And therefore, I've got the time to take, you know, I'm not 30 seconds on the clock trying to rush into a pick. I can take time to go, oh, actually, this person loves that player. So maybe I can I can utilize that because you might take him here or, or whatever and I think it's all about just adding a little bit more information to the toolkit that's eventually going to help you overall and um yeah I mean uh, to, on you know your earlier point it's it's easier I guess for us heading into a startup because we've already got our ranks and our tiers mm-hmm. and values and things that we're constantly updating and we're comfortable with that if if you're it, it, I'm asking you an impossible question here. If you were to take your analyst's hat off, are you use a, you to, are you advising somebody to utilize a set of rankings? Would you advise them to go and identify ADP off a particular source? Is there something that you think would be a better way to go for uh, someone in their first startup as such? I think it's it's a combination here. So I know you said take your analyst hat off, but I'm going to look at it as if I'm in the actual startup. I, I, like I said, I make a copy of my tiers. I'm running through them. Okay. Uh, you know, my first five tiers have 31 guys in it in 12 team super flex, two PPO for tight ends. And then let's say I'm at pick 30, you know, whatever, 40, um, there's going to be guys that I know I don't have to necessarily take because ADP, and this is where I always talk about market inefficiencies, but ADP might have them buried. Uh, you know, another example, uh, I, I'm extremely high this year on Dalton Schultz in two PPR leagues. And I think he's just going to be an accumulator throughout the season in that offense where I have him valued it would be silly to take him there because you can almost always get him two rounds later. So I think it's knowing your league mates that comes into play a little bit, but also where were, where the, the inefficiencies are and where the differences are. Um, You know, let's say, uh, you know, for some reason, Christian McCaffrey, let's just, um, or we'll, we'll use a quarterback with it being super flex. Let's say I, Daniel Jones is, I love him. I absolutely love him. You know, you don't have to take him like in the first or second round of a startup. So I think it is finding that balance uh, because a lot of league mates, they are going to be looking at ADP. They're going to be, they're going to be looking at their roster needs more than anything, which that's something that we'll get into. I'm sure at, at some point today, but yeah, for me, it's a nice combination of both. It's it's making sure uh, where my tiers fall against market and ADP, and it, that's where the edge is had. It's not reaching on a player just because you might have him valued as such. Yeah, I'm. I think it's a great point. I'm. I'm always for you know go get your guys if you truly believe that a guy is going to break out, or whatever. Fine, but do it at value. There's no point reaching two rounds to go get a guy because you're like, oh. I must go and get Daniel Jones. If you go and draft him in the first round, you're literally just throwing value away. Right. You're, you you can get him in, as you said, probably the third round of most dynasty startups, if not a bit later in some. Just And by, by reaching for a player, you're just throwing away. So I think it's a really good point is that, yes, draft from your rankings, draft from your, your tiers or your values of your favourite analyst, but you need to know where they're higher than consensus, where they're lower than consensus, and the players that you're going to be able to get at a later point in the draft. So we talked about preparation, John. Now we're talking about strategy. So are you going into any startup with a predefined strategy, or is it a case of best player available? 
again, you might as well call this the combination episode because my answer (laughs) here again is it's a combination of certain factors. When, when you get your draft order, that really is going to dictate. That's when I go in with my mindset of, okay, this is ideally how I want to approach it in, in anything I talk about, let's just assume 12 team super flex two PPR for tight ends, uh, yep. start 10 or 11, just so I don't have to keep saying it over and over again. Uh, your listeners are gonna be like, we get it, dude. We get it. Okay. <laughs> so if, if I draw the one Oh one to the one Oh six, there's no doubt in my mind, I'm hammering a quarterback there. All right. Now, what comes into play a little bit is if there is a market for folks to move up and we've seen this over the last several years, the play has always been, well, let's move back. Let's move back. Let's accumulate extra draft capital in the startup. Let's accumulate additional draft capital in future years. But now it's almost flipped because when the market is oversaturated, there are so many people now, when you look at your startup chat, Hey, 101's on the block, looking to move back. 102's on, and it just keeps going and going and going. So if I have one of those top six picks, I'm most likely making that pick. And then out of my second round pick, because it's a back half of the second round, I am looking to potentially move up into, like, let's, uh, this is an example. I had the 101 in a startup. I took Patrick Mahomes. And then the, uh, at the 106, I moved up, I packaged with my 212, 312, and 512. Um, and it was 212, 312 because it was a third round reversal. Yep. And I got the 106 in an eighth round pick. And that was a play that I wanted to move up for Justin Herbert. So if I'm in that first half of the this uh draft order, I really don't want to make my second or third round picks, ideally. I either want to move up or move back. And there's a lot that goes into that. And then if I draw the 107 to the 110, this is where league settings come into play. If it's a start three or four wide receiver league, I have no issue going Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase there. Um, And then the other two guys would be Fields and Lawrence. But that's where it comes into play a little bit. Hey, do I want to go quarterback or wide receiver? And then if I draw the 111 and one or 112, I'm most likely double tapping quarterback. And it might be a combination of Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott. Uh, maybe Kyler Murray slips in there. But that is where once your draft order comes out, once you see how, how people uh, are jumping in the chat, hey, I'm looking to move up. Hey, I'm looking to move back. That's where things switch a little bit. So I wouldn't say it's a predefined strategy going into every single draft. But once we have just a few of those pieces to the puzzle, that's when you might see I get a more predefined strategy. Um, you know, no matter where I am, I'm not looking to take running back early. Um, if the value is not there on somebody like a Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey or Kyle Pitts, most likely looking at the middle tier tight ends in a David and Joku, uh, Dalton Schultz, like I mentioned, Evan Ingram. And then I'm slamming running backs. Once you get to that, like seventh, eighth, ninth round, you know, Aaron Jones is slipping. You know, uh, I think a lot of people look at the running back position and they try to look at it from the perspective of, uh, you know, they really put the dynasty hat on. Well, at the running back position, we see how volatile it is. One or two year window. And that's going to do it for me because the cost to acquire these plug and play running backs isn't all that expensive. So that goes into this predefined strategy, if you will, where, uh, you know, I'm not looking to take a running back in the first four or so rounds, ideally. Um, but so that's one of the more constant pieces from, from league to league. But it, you do have to take into account the rest of your league because there are some situations where I am forced to really take the value that slips and you have to be able to adjust. You know, uh, like in the movie Moneyball, adapt or die. Right. And then that's no different than than dynasty fantasy football. Uh, maybe not as serious, but for us, it's super serious. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Life or death. Um, yeah, no, I, th- I think it's a really interesting what it sounds like, to be honest, you approach a dynasty startup almost exactly the same as me in terms of you're looking to to accumulate either quarterbacks or wide receivers as early as possible. Mm-hmm. You're punting running back, but you're attacking that position with volume late. 
And that's generally how I would do that. Now, yeah, if there's a situation where, I don't know, Bijan's fallen to the middle or the back end of the second or something like that, then yeah, I'd, I'd quite happily take him at that point. But I think it's, it's as you said, it's about you've got to react and see how things are going in that startup. It's really interesting you saying about the drops, drop-offs in kind of tiers and, and kind of value. And I think that that's so important, comes back to that preparation piece of understanding ADP, the tiers, where they are. It's like you saying about top six, for me, it's a top nine. And I think that after that point of, if I draw 10, 11, 12, to me, there's no difference between the 10th pick and the 18th pick, really. Right. So I'm quite happy to move back if I can and add basically anything of value because the difference for me in player 10 and player 18 is is negligible. So if I can add anything extra in terms of value, that's a win for me. But I think it's key to know those points of the draft. And like for me, the difference between a mid third and a mid fifth is not that much in terms of my values. So it's again, I'm really happy to move back from the third and, and add stuff equally. If I'm if I've got a fourth round or fourth round pick and I only have to pay a little bit to move up to the beginning of the third, I'm happy to do that because I think that's a massive change in value. And I think that that's so key to understand not just the ADPs, not just your tiers, but the specific value breaks of where you see those drop offs within a draft that's starting. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I want to provide just a little additional context um, with the predefined strategy question and why I would be looking to take those quarterbacks early. And there's a few reasons. First of all, whenever the, the startup is over and the league is an ongoing league, we all know the cost to acquire these higher-end quarterbacks is astronomical. It, it costs an arm and a leg. So the, the cheapest point to get these elite quarterbacks is in the startup, but it's a two-fold situation. I one of the most overvalued position groups, I think, in startup drafts, it tends to be those quarterbacks 18 to 24 ish. And if I'm taking my quarterbacks early, then I can take the value that is across the other positions in those middle rounds because you see people, well, I need a quarterback, so I'm going to take a Derek Carr. I need a quarterback. I'm going to take a Kenny Pickett or whoever it is, you know? So I, I think that's uh, one of the advantages of taking the quarterbacks early because then you're not forced into going the route of those mid-tier quarterbacks. And if I have those two high-end quarterbacks, I'm honestly okay riding it out and taking no other quarterbacks, maybe uh, Ryan Tannehill or Baker Mayfield as a really cheap third option. Now, if I'm going with like the Jared Goffs, Kirk Cousins, Geno Smith later in the draft, I'm probably going to want three of them. Um, but again, that really depends. And I had a draft like that recently, but I drew the 110 or 111 in the startup. So it kind of dictated how I played that one out. Yeah. And it's it's the same psychology that we hear constantly. You know, we hear Tom, Tom talk about it on the best ball world. It's the running back dead zone. The reason the running back dead zone is the running back dead zone is because running backs get overdrafted because people are fearful of not having a running back. So rather than taking the best return in production, they reach for a running back that shouldn't be drafted where it is and overdraft them. That's exactly the same theory with the, the kind of, as you said, the back end QB2s, mm -hmm. should we call it in Dynasty, of they probably shouldn't be going where they're going but they get overdrafted because someone gets three rounds into a draft and has only got one quarterback or hasn't got a quarterback. And he's like, Oh, if I don't take a quarterback here, or if I don't take two quarterbacks here, I'm going to miss out. So then right. they get overdrafted and that pushes that value down. So yeah, no, I, I completely get it. And I think it, you know, it, it ties that sort of best ball redraft mentality into dynasty as such, which I think is a, an interesting way to look at it. But whilst we're here, we're talking about Tom and best ball, so much best ball content flying out at the moment. Tom has got some incredible guests doing some live drafts. We're continuing the Dynasty Strategy Series. Uh, we've got Redraft kicking off next week. It is all happening. If you're not subscribed, you're missing out. And as you can see on the ticker at the bottom, you can become a member from as little as 99p or $1.25 a month. That gives you access to the Discord. 
ranks, tiers, exclusive contests, everything like that. You've just got to hit that join button just below. So we're talking about roster construction now. It, tying it in perhaps to the strategy point, is there a point we're talking about, you know, value and best player available. Is there a point at which you're steering towards roster construction and thinking, right, I've already got three quarterbacks. The best value by an absolute mile on the board is another quarterback. Do you think, right, I'm just taking the other quarterback? Or are you starting to think, I don't want to put so much capital into the quarterback position and would rather spread it out and, and build a more complete roster? I'm smiling over here because this is a great question, Rich, and it's one that actually just came up with one of our patrons yesterday. Uh, so the timing couldn't be perfect. Couldn't be more perfect. Uh, he had three quarterbacks early. I think it was, I mean, he took Dak in the second, Kyler in the third, and took another quarterback in the first. Let's just call it Lamar Jackson. I forget exactly who it was. And they were in the eighth or ninth round, and Mac Jones was available. And it, it was like Mac Jones, Aaron Jones. Um, I forget the exact list of players that he had identified. And I told him, I said, listen, if you're willing to play the long game and you are looking to hoard these quarterbacks a little bit, I, based on who is available for me, Mac Jones is the best value. But sometimes you put yourself in a situation where you can rub league members the wrong way by hoarding a position. And it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be quarterback, but that's the easiest one I think to talk about most often here. But with uh, tight ends, if it's a two PPR and you're that person that's just taking tight end, tight end, people get aggravated a little bit. And I've done this with quarterbacks. Uh, Mitch, one of my co-hosts of Dynasty Theory, we took part in a startup and we took seven quarterbacks. And we had people in the chat actively saying, Nobody trade with them and take one of their quarterbacks. Um, you know, I, I, I liked it just because we came in aggressive with the strategy. So sure, be a little aggressive. Uh, but I was like, is, is this collusion? Telling the whole league not to trade with openly but telling. Then, uh, but then all it takes, all it takes, is one quarterback injury or one player losing his job, and suddenly that team that thinks they're a contender and has traded future draft capital is like okay, I need to go and get a quarterback. And then as soon as one team trades with you, that's it, the floodgates open, don't they? Within a year, I don't even think it was a year, uh, we were down to three quarterbacks well, because go. of the way we were able to move on. Anyway, um, but so if you're able to play that long game, it is about the value. But uh, forget about being blacklisted and not having your league mates trade with you. There are going to be situations like if you see people are undervaluing tight ends severely, in a startup or uh running back or any position, it doesn't matter. The market is going to be very difficult. It's going to be tight whenever you go to trade, e even if there's an injury, you know, oftentimes we'll see people in our discord, you know, I offer this team uh Matthew Stafford for so-and-so they only have one quarterback. They weren't interested. Well, they have one quarterback because they undervalue the position and you're at least wanting market value on Matthew Stafford. You're not going to get it from that manager. So it's kind of counterintuitive. They need a quarterback, but they won't trade for a quarterback, but you kind of see that play out in the startup. So uh, I, I, I want to say I'm sticking to the tiers and I'm, I'm going with who I deem is the most valuable from a dynasty perspective, but not just roster construction or team need because we're in a startup. There's no points being scored right now. I don't think we really need to be taking into account team need at this point in time because we can trade for need later. But if you can see early on in the startup that the market is going to be drastically different than the more general market, which is the dynasty community, you have to adjust a little bit. So in that situation, I said, hey, Mac Jones is the play value-wise. but there's a good chance you very well might get stuck with him. You know, you're hoarding quarterbacks for the point of trying to trade them. You might not get the value back that you're going to be looking for. Um, so maybe go with one of these players instead. But that's a great question. I think it's a really interesting situation. But the league dynamic is going to dictate that for me. Yeah, I, th I think it's it's really difficult to answer in a generic way, isn't it? Because it is so distinct for each league. You know, I'm I'm a person that sits here and says, 
draft for value, trade for need right. every single time. Like I will always take the best value. But the difficulty is, is that if a player is falling to what you consider a massive value, there's a reason why that player is falling. So it could be that the other 11 people in your league don't like or don't value that player or don't value that position. Well, suddenly when the draft finishes, they're not all going to suddenly fall in love with that player. They're not all going to suddenly change how they valued that position. They might do after a year or two, once they suddenly realize, oh, okay, you know, super flex, I probably need another quarterback or something like that. But immediately after the draft, you can't suddenly, you know, in, to use your example, continue, you can't get Mac Jones two rounds after ADP and then suddenly sell him for ADP value. Exactly. Because it's like, well, no, nobody, if, you know, if I'd have wanted to pay that, I'd have just drafted him in the draft. So, yeah, I think you need to go into it with that mindset of, yes, I'm all for take the value, but you then need to think about how you're going to utilize that value. Okay, for that for that guy that got Mac Jones at a value, Mac Jones was a value, but nobody else wanted Mac Jones. So does that now mean I'm not going to be able to sell Mac Jones for what I think is a value, but could I keep Mac Jones as my QB3 and sell the guy that was my QB three? I, I know you said Lamar. I missed the other names, but could I sell him for an absolute haul and allow me to strengthen the rest of my roster elsewhere because I got Matt Jones at the value? And I think that that's the way you need to think about it. It's you know, it's it's not just checkers. It's hopefully chess, and you're trying to think two, three moves ahead rather than just one move at a time. Rich, I got a question. If you're somehow hacking into my DMs or something, because. <laughs> That is exactly the next step where that conversation went. And it was talking about, well, if you take Mac Jones, I mean, verbatim what you just said, if you take Mac Jones, can we then move off of this uh, Dak Prescott or the Kyler Murray um, while still having your anchor quarterback, your high-end talent, having your, your floor quarterback, uh, ideally as your quarterback three or later, but then moving off of Dak or Kyler because there is going to be a little bit more of a market there depending on the the nature of your league. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, it, that's exactly where that conversation went next. Exactly. Beautiful, beautiful. And so we're talking about ideally going, you know, value and not paying much attention in terms of roster construction. Is there a point in a draft where, I don't know, say you're in one of those two tight end premium leagues where tight end is just absolutely flying off the board and you're sitting there 14 rounds in, there's already, you know, 25 tight ends gone and you're starting to scratch your head and think, God, I'm panicking here. Do you then react and reach on a tight end or would you sit tight, trust your values and go, I can trade for one later? See, at that point, because like you, you could trade for one later, but your league has shown you that this sub market specifically compared to the greater market is drastically different. So Later in the draft, you mentioned the 14th round, but even a little bit earlier, there might be situations. And so, yes, maybe you take a uh, Tyler Higby a smidge earlier than you would have liked, but you do that with the expectation, hey, tight ends might still be flying off the board. So maybe a player that I would have taken there originally now is going to be available my next pick. So th that that's one of the things too. And it, it really ties back to one of my first points with preparing with a for a draft with a predefined strategy. Um and going at going to to draft specific players. Yeah, I, I might be able to get this guy later, but I'm okay missing if I have to reach because I know there's going to be a couple guys within that tier in the next round that I can get. Um, so there are times where the market value and my tiers are different that I will draft somebody in a tier below where I have, uh, we'll use Dalton Schultz as, as the example, because I have so much Dalton Schultz because I'm always take, I'm just, he's always there staring me in the face but I can't tell you how many times I've drafted somebody in the tier below him and then scoop Schultz on the next round. So it's kind of knowing, and, and that's where having the tiers versus ADP or just rankings versus ADP from whoever you trust uh, to give you that, that baseline and that general guidance where, okay, 
yes, the tiers say this, but I, I'm going to draft somebody a little bit lower because the draft has dictated that. So that's a perfect example of whenever you're going to break one of your rules. If, if you're really following tiers or ADP, maybe going against that because you think there's going to be an opportunity later. Yeah. I, th- I think the key is, is that whilst we talk about dynasty and dynasty value as a, as a macro economy, as if every single league values this player at exactly this point, every single 12 team league is a micro economy and you yeah. have to treat it as such. And, you know, the, I, I was in a league once where, well, in the, in the last six months where Deshaun Watson fell to the fourth round for me. And that was because 11 other teams said, I'm not drafting Deshaun Watson. And it was kind of like, okay, I'll, I'll hold my nose and, and, and make the draft pick. But right. at that point, as much as I felt disgusting doing it, I can't not draft him because the value is incredible. I mean, I've, I wonder how far I could have pushed it if I could have gone sort of eighth, ninth, tenth round and still grabbed him because nobody else was going to draft him. But um, yeah, I, I think that's it. Is it's 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 knowing that micro economy and you know make notes whilst you're drafting. Understand, you know, as we talked earlier, research the people just in the league chat. You know, as you're talking to people, find out if people are from a particular area or people support a team and things like that. It's all about adding all of that information and storing it somewhere so that hopefully it can it can add you know another string to your bow and and you can start to hopefully help you out and, and gain value. Yeah, you talk about it as a macro micro economy. I work in commercial real estate and the analogy that I often use is you have your general market. So like for me, we have the the city of Pittsburgh, that's our market. And then you have a specific sub-market, the individual neighborhoods within the, the greater market and the greater market being the dynasty community in general, you get votes on Twitter polls. Uh, you get conversations from a broader audience, but then your sub-market is your league. And oftentimes those values are not going to align perfectly. And really that's where uh, that's where the adjustments are necessary. Oh, I'm not paying that for a quarterback because I know that's not, that's not what Rich paid in his league. Why would I? It doesn't matter what Rich or anybody else paid in their league. You have to look specifically at yours. And that's something that a lot of people have issues with. And, um, you know, I I do think it's critical that you're able to adjust. Like I've said the word adapt, adjust, um, you know, so many times throughout this episode already, but that is critical. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, It's the most important thing is, you know, always be adapting, always be adjusting and always being conscious of that don't just create a list in sleeper or mfl and just click the best player off that every single time you've got to understand and you've got to take note of what is happening as as you're going through there um something we've touched on a couple of times i don't know about you this is the thing i get most questions about in startups is not which player should i draft who what what strategy should i take because that's fairly straightforward trades are you are you an active startup trader? Are you someone that would rather just sit there and and kind of see everything else, kind of the chaos happen? What how do you approach it? For me, so a, a lot of my leagues recently have been with our patrons or, or just folks in our Discord in general, and it's far more challenging to trade with them because I'm an open book with them, and I know yeah. you go through the same thing. Now, if I'm out in the wild and I'm taking part in a startup with people that I've never played with before. I am one of the folks that has the most trades across the board. And that's because values are quite different when you're going out and you're competing against people that don't share your uh, similar mindset and, and see your values. So for me, I am, I am looking to trade quite often and the leagues that are not very active from a trade perspective, there it might as well just be a, a 30 second clock rattle through the players. Those are the leagues that can be more challenging to gain an advantage over your opponents because you're not able to pick up that extra value along the way. And you know, those are the teams that I look out a year, a year after the startup, and I'm like, yeah, this team's fine but I didn't really accumulate any extra depth. I couldn't really do much because there wasn't much movement throughout the draft and the leagues where I'm trading constantly, 
hopefully it, it's a net positive and I'm gaining value throughout and I'm getting those extra pieces in the startup. I'm getting those extra future uh, first round picks and I'm, I'm leveraging and, and getting liquidity on my, my roster. And that's because I was able to trade. So yeah, I'm, I am looking to trade from the, the get go. And again, it kind of depends on what I see my league league mates are doing. If everybody's looking to trade back, I know the market is in my favor. If I'm looking to trade up a little bit, depending on where the tiers are, if people want to trade up, I know there's going to be that opportunity to potentially get that additional capital that I mentioned earlier. So, so league mates are going to dictate this a little bit, which way I'm going. And I just see, I didn't mean to jump the gun on that next question, but yeah, I'm, I'm trading from the start. Okay. And are you, you know, you, you mentioned this question, are you trading up as much as possible? Are you trading back? Are you doing both? Is it a case of you're happy moving around the board to those spots where you think there is kind of an increase in value? I know we talked earlier about there's certain points of the draft where you can move back a whole round and basically not lose any value. So are those the spots that you're looking to move up and back? Unless I'm, so it kind of goes back to where I draw my startup pick. Unless I'm able to get an absolute haul for my first round pick, I'm most likely making it, especially if it's in the, the first half. I'm looking to trade up in the draft if I can get a second elite quarterback. But other than that, once it falls to the mid second, I'm looking to trade back. And I don't know that there's many situations that would make me look at that board and think, oh man, I got to get up into the fourth round here. I got, you know, unless there's a, a, you mentioned a Deshaun Watson slipping in that specific league, that, that would be a different scenario for me. But outside of that first round and those elite quarterbacks, I'm looking to trade back. And, it, you know, it can be challenging because there's a lot of people, and you said this earlier, this is where you get the most questions from people. There is that lack of certainty, and they're not sure, hey, I don't want Rich to completely take advantage of me on this trade, so what am I going to do? I'm just not going to trade. And that can be so frustrating as somebody that wants to trade. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that's that's part of the growing pains and, and finding people that you trust and you're familiar with the process and you agree with it. That gives you that idea. OK, this is a good idea to trade here. So I think that opens up possibilities. But, yeah, trade up at the very beginning and then immediately after the, the first round, I'm looking to trade back. And are you, how do you feel about future capital in startups? Are you looking to acquire it? Are you looking to, to sell it? Do you, either both? More often than not. So uh, I mentioned Mitch from Dynasty Theory, one of my co-hosts. He loves to go out there and spam his 24 first. Sorry, Mitch, if I'm blowing your, your cover here. Uh, he's talked about this. So, But moving his 24 first for anywhere from like a late fifth, early sixth value. And oftentimes that's rejected, but that's where he, just because once you see somebody make one trade involving a startup pick and a 24 first, that market is set. So if, if Rich goes out and you're the first to market and you get 505 for your 24 first, that if I'm looking to buy a 24 first for a seventh, well, that's not going to fly because you just completely screwed it up for everybody else by getting a fifth or vice versa. If you're trying to sell your first and somebody moves theirs for a ninth and you're like, oh my goodness, what are we doing here? And uh, so I think being first to market, if you're looking to make a move like that is critical because it's not like a startup trade specifically where you see a 208 go for 405 and 50 whatever you know it does, it's not a situation like that where there's variance and it doesn't line up exactly across the board these are random 24 first for a startup pick it is consistent across the board so once that market's set that kind of dictates what i'd be looking to do uh but tying it into roster construction a little bit i don't want to move my future 24 first 
The only situation that I might be okay with doing that is if I lock in those two high-end quarterbacks early because otherwise I don't have those uh, leverage pieces. I don't have the, the pieces that I deem as liquid assets that I can easily move if I would look to tear down a little bit. So if you're going running backs early, if you're a punting quarterback and you'd go with a Geno Smith and a Russ Wilson and you move your future draft capital as well, you're going, you're being a little too it's aggressive. Ugly. It can get very ugly very quickly. So it, whether or not I'm moving my future first round pick really ties into how I've constructed my roster early in the draft. But I, if ideally I am leaving every draft with one or two extra 24 first, because in those situations I was able to move back. I'm able to round out my roster because I picked up extra depth while I'm also having the insulated assets in those future picks that just gives me such nice balance. Yeah, I love it. And I, I love acquiring those future assets because people throw around future picks as if they're candy in, in yep. a startup. And then as soon as the startup finishes, those future picks are suddenly so much more valuable. And I see it time and time again where people throw away picks and then look at their roster and I'm like, oh, actually, my team's probably not going to compete this year. And that 24 first suddenly becomes a high pick. And it's like, okay, this that's where you can really, you know, gain some huge value just by, as you said, moving back and acquiring that future capital. Um, not, not necessarily in a startup, but Mitch and I co-own, uh, I think, eight or nine teams. And one of our teams yesterday, uh, we have somebody's 24 first. And this is like Christmas morning. The, the manager who's first we have jumps in the chat. Hey, I'm looking to blow it up. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, please. And thank you. Uh, yeah, if you don't have your first, that's kind of a, a critical missing piece there. But I, I just watch, I, you know, uh, they unloaded mix in. They were looking to move other win now pieces. And I'm like, let's keep this going. Yeah, the longer you hold it, the more the more it's going to be worth. I think mm -hmm. that's that's incredible. Yeah, and I think the the question I get asked most is how are you uh, essentially attaching value to startup picks? Are you? I've I've heard a few different people talk about different ways of, you know, you convert the play the pick into a player at ADP, and and that it's it's kind of easier to work out a trade if you're turning it into players ahead of time and stuff how how do you approach right i've got we're in the second round this is what my fourth rounds were my fourth round picks worth this is what my sixth round picks worth uh replace replace adp with what you just said with my tears okay and Perfect. and that's it uh you know so if any of our patrons are in startups and they have access to my tears you know, hey, JB, would you move 208? And again, you do want to look at it from an ADP perspective as well, because maybe my 208 isn't what the market 208 is. So you kind of have to adjust a little bit. But I mean, honestly, once you attach a range of names to it, I don't want to say a specific name, because depending on where you have that tier break there, you might miss out on some value. But Overall, you can you can attach a name to it and feel pretty confident that okay, out of these ten guys, one of them's going to be there. And it, it's tough because startup trades and existing league trades they don't always align. You know, one example uh, from a startup perspective, Aaron Rodgers is going about two rounds later than Kirk Cousins. If you go on fantasy calc from a trade perspective, they assign the values to specific trades. Aaron Rodgers is trading for more than Kirk Cousins. So that's one of the, the, the nuances when you're looking at startup trades. Uh, yeah, you want to assign the names, but it doesn't always align with existing leagues, even though you would think it should. Uh, but I think that gives you the best guide. Just, just putting a name to it. Would you feel comfortable during the season, anytime after the startup in making that trade, if the answer is yes, then you might want to explore uh, doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's the easiest way to convert it. For, for me, I've got, you know, you talk about your tiers, I, I use values. So every player 
<clears throat> in the league, I think there's 420 I've got a value assigned to. You can convert that into a startup pick mm-hmm. um, so that I've got a startup calculator that basically each each pick has a value and, and you work it out. The key thing that I always try and explain to people, though, is that when you're trading up for a pick, say it's the 205, you're not trading for the 205. You're trading for the player that's there at the 205. So if someone that you might have at the 112, you know, your 12th overall player, let's say Jamar Chase has fallen to the middle of the second round, you're not trading up for the 205. In your mind, you're probably trading up for the 110, 111, something like that, because actually that's that's where you're valuing Jamar Chase. You're not just trading up for that 205. So I think that's sometimes you can, you know, on a calculator, overpay for a certain pick. But if a player has fallen to that point, that's where you can you can feel comfortable with that slight overpay based on consensus value or whatever you want to term it as such. And it's the same thing for rookie drafts. So many times we'll get a trade question. Hey, would you move uh, this player for the 109, but that 109, you know, extreme situation, uh, Bryce Young is still on the board. And you're like, yeah, it's 109, but it's not really 109 (laughs) because the player that you'd be taking should be 104 or so. Uh, But back to the startups and really quickly, I think one of the bigger points too is, hey, with future first round picks, what value do you put on them from a startup perspective? And anytime I'm acquiring a first in a startup, you know, I, Rich and I were talking, we're having a trade discussion and you're trying to move me your 24 first. I have to make the assumption that you're going to be somebody that's looking to contend immediately. So for me, I would have to look at it from, Hey, it's probably a little bit more likely that it's a playoff first, unless something goes terribly wrong, than 101 to 104 or something that's not a pick that's not going to be in the playoffs. So if I'm acquiring a 24 first, I from a, a pick for pick swap, I late seventh is where I am. And then if I am moving my 24 first, you know, and I, I mean, I don't know about you, Rich, but I don't often move or acquire a first for a startup pick very often in a one for one. It's more complex normally. Yeah, exactly. It's usually a package, but at least in this situation, would you add a mid to late seventh to this startup pick? for that startup pick and that can kind of give you the idea of where the the first should be valued but that's kind of my breaking point if i can get i'm a little bit more uh i'm not as aggressive as the the price point i mentioned with mitch earlier so for me it's kind of that that late sixth and then mid seventh late seventh is where my cutoffs are if buying or acquire or buying or selling that 24 first yeah no exactly so i've I've just looked up in my trade values. So I have a random 24 first as equal to, and the tier break is the 612 to the 709 in terms of my values. So we're not far off there, but you said something that's important, random 24 first. I, I treat it as more of more likely to be a playoff first because random equal likelihood to be 101 as it is 112 and rarely do we see that and not in that specific situation but i think whenever people are making trades we do this as it's just a a human tendency if i'm moving my 24 first i know it's going to be late if i'm acquiring a 24 first yeah it could be early probably going to miss the playoffs it's just funny how our minds work that way and i think being realistic it really does uh help you moving forward and again not a knock on you saying random there because our price points were off by just a few picks yeah exactly i think it's it's something we're probably getting into a whole nother category here but i think that i always try to preach people unless there is certainty don't project future picks because i i i have a rule of week four in the season at that point is when i'm allowed to start projecting where picks come because yeah okay if if a team's got an absolute loaded roster then yeah you you can kind of project it or if the team's absolutely horrendous okay but generally 
two, three injuries happen at the start of the season. You know, I think back to a couple of years ago where we had J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, Michael Thomas all basically go down in the same day. Mm-hmm. If Dynasty roster had all three of those, they were probably feeling pretty confident at the start of the year. Those three injuries happen and suddenly they're no longer a contender. And I think I always say I, I try to treat all future picks as random, but I completely get your point of if somebody is going out to acquire a, to sell their future pick in a startup, you're saying, right, it's it's kind of slightly less than average and random because they've got that extra capital in a startup that they're probably going to be better than the average roster because they've spent future capital. Right. In just the way they might construct their roster, maybe they go more win now pieces as opposed to, hey, I'm going to take a, a trailing Burks or I'm going to focus solely on the rookies. And I you made a good point there. And again, this could be a whole nother episode. I don't want to get too sidetracked, but it's so tough to project. And I see people try to project 25 first. I'm like, give me that, give me that crystal ball. Cause we can't project two days out. Sometimes you're trying to project two years out, but, uh, looking at a, a future draft pick, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm getting this draft pick. It's probably going to be early because Rich's team, eh, it's not very strong. But maybe you have a Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen at quarterback where in some situations, if you wanted to tear down, now all of a sudden you're adding four pieces to a team that I didn't think was really strong. But now you've put yourself in a position to contend. So I think not only looking at the team from what they have today, do they have pieces at their disposal to really bolster the rest of their lineup, whether it's future draft picks, maybe they only trade one of their three or four first. Do they have the high value pieces that they could tear down from? But like you said, sometimes you can look at a team and say, yeah, it's better chance than not. They're going to be early or late and taking those calculated risks certainly can pay off. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's calculated risks, isn't it? It's not let's let's throw all our eggs in one basket and say this is going to be the the one hundred one or one hundred two or or something like that. Mm-hmm. But thank you so much for coming on, John. It's uh, yeah, it's been fantastic talking through. I feel like I could I could talk dynasty theory with you with you all day. Um, it's it's been awesome. Remind everybody listening, watching, where can they find you? Where can they find your work? Where where can they uh, sign up to the Patreon? Yeah, uh, Rich, again, uh, thank you for having me on, uh, enjoying my coffee with you this morning. Uh, it was a pleasure. Find me on Twitter at the Bauer Club, uh, Dynasty Theory, at Dynasty Theory FF, on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we're over on threads now. I mean, kind <laughs> of uh, trying to check it out, see how it goes. Uh, but then uh, patreon.com forward slash Dynasty Theory five bucks a month. We have our tiers, rookie data, annual projections. We got the discord that's open to everybody. Uh, and then we have some exclusive Patreon channels in there. So if you're interested, come check it out. A lot of great conversations, a lot of great content. And again, thanks rich. No, thank you very much. It's, it's awesome stuff. Big fan of the guys over there and, and they're plugging out some awesome work. So yeah, go, go and check it out. If you're here and you've not hit that thumbs up, make sure you're doing it right now. We've got uh, another Dynasty Strategy show coming later in the week, and then we will be kicking into redraft season. Obviously, Tom's going to continue with the best stuff, but uh, keep it here and we'll be back very soon.